Our sixth lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 2. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here ends the reading. A few Sundays ago, I did something here in church that a pastor should never actually do. I sowed division within this community. Right here in this sanctuary on the Lord's Day of all days, I stood before this congregation, many of you who are here tonight, and I opened the floodgates of controversy by asking this simple question, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Now, I have never received more sermon feedback than I did on that Sunday, 90% of which included being told that Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie, something I had no idea about. Now, since the damage has already been done, and since today is Christmas Eve, I have decided to up the ante a little bit with another perhaps even more debatable question. You ready? What is your favorite Christmas song? Are you team Silent Night or Joy to the World? Are you more Mariah Carey or Bing Crosby? Do you favor music from the 21st century or the 17th century? What is your favorite Christmas song? It's an important question because just like the movies that come with this time of year, the soundtrack that comes with this time of year has the power to shape and direct our Christmas experience. Like sacred maps, these hymns and carols and songs help us find God amidst the hustle and the bustle of the season, amidst the hustle and bustle of life. They can even transport us back in time to that holy night as if we were actually there. My guess is that if we all closed our eyes right now and imagined that scene, the pictures we would come up with would all look very similar. 
It's a silent night where all is calm and all is bright. And away in the manger, there's a baby who doesn't cry right near some cattle who are lowing. And there's a mother named Mary who may or may not know what's going on. But here's the thing. So many of those details given to us in these beautiful songs are nowhere to be found in Scripture. There was no little drummer boy in the stable that night. The number of magi in attendance is actually unclear. We don't know what kind of baby Jesus actually was. Yes, these sweet and comforting songs take us right back to where we left Jesus last Christmas Eve. But where does Scripture locate him? What would that journey be like? Well, first of all, it wouldn't start just nine months ago before Jesus' birth. If it were up to the gospel according to John, the journey would start at the beginning of time. But for our purposes for tonight, we are going to start our story where our service started centuries earlier with the prophet Isaiah. As we see in the passages that Mark and Ralph read, before Jesus was, well, Jesus, he also had other names, holy names, prophetic names, or what we in the church refer to as the O antiphons, names like O King of Nations, O Root of Jesse, O Key of David, and perhaps the most famous one of all, Emmanuel. Now, just because we sing these names in church every Advent, that doesn't mean that's what they were originally for. You see, this sacred story that we tell in every time and every place to every people is actually rooted in a very particular time, in a particular place, to a particular people. A people who God chose to be in relationship with. A people who God struggled with and wrestled with. A people who God made promises to. Promises like the ones we read about in Isaiah for a Messiah, for a Savior, for a King. And once the promise was made, these people, God's people, waited for God to come through. For years and then decades and then centuries, they waited. They waited for salvation from foreign rulers. They waited for deliverance from exile. They waited for redemption from their sin. But they didn't just wait, they also looked. They searched the stars and studied the prophecies and recited these names, these antiphons, like sacred maps. They hoped these names would lead them back to God. For hundreds of years, the people of Israel looked for God. And as the story goes, God made good on God's promise, just not in the way that any one of us or even them would have expected. You see, for instead of taking residence in a palace, the Christ child was born in a stable. Instead of coming to earth as royalty, the divine assumed the form of a human child. And after all that time, after all that waiting and all that looking, instead of revealing his location to those in power, those with influence, God sent God's angels to a group of lowly shepherds bearing these words, do not be afraid for I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. 
to you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, you and your people have been waiting for, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, I will be honest, I have read this exact passage from Luke countless times before, but for some reason, this year, it hit different. I guess after weeks of following this complicated map laid out by Isaiah, after weeks of studying these ancient antiphons and sacred clues, I was expecting more of the same, you know? Something complicated, something sacred. But instead, the map leads us to a simple field with a simple message to a simple people from a simple God bearing a simple name. Emmanuel. God with us. Not God up above or God far away or God zooming in, but God with us. Which means you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to look much farther. You don't even need those maps anywhere because on this day in the city of David, you don't have to worry about finding God because God has already found you. Emmanuel. God with us. I think one of the reasons this story never gets old despite all that changes around us and even in us is because so much about what it means to be human remains the same. Regardless of when or where you live, who or what you've been through, all of us in one way or another, whether we like to admit it or not, are all looking for God. In the midst of all the pain and suffering that's out there in the world, we look for God to do something, anything. In the midst of the poverty and violence that exists right outside our front door, we look to God for help. In the midst of the brokenness of our systems, the brokenness of our homes, the brokenness of our hearts, we look to see that God has not left us alone. And in our looking, we can't help but draw maps. Anything that might point us in the direction of the divine, anything that might assure us that salvation is near. We follow those maps far and wide, up and out, when all the while God is already waiting for us in the place we would least expect, right here, so close, Emmanuel, God with us. So if you have come here tonight looking for God, if you have come here tonight with a map in your back pocket, if you feel like you have been waiting and waiting for God to show up, well, here's my advice. Look closer. Where there's pain and suffering, look for those offering compassion and grace. Where there's poverty and violence, look to those fighting for justice and peace. Where there is brokenness of every kind, look to those offering love. And then once you've done that, look even closer. Look next to you. Look in front of you. Look behind you. Look in your hands and look in your homes. Look to the unexpected kindness of a stranger and the dependable loyalty of a friend. Look to the people and the places that assure you that you are loved just as you are. 
And in those moments, be reminded that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So as far as our favorite Christmas songs go, I want to close by sharing mine. We don't sing it every year, and most people don't even know that it exists. But as far as sacred maps go, this is as accurate as they come. The song is called, Thou Shalt Know Him When He Comes. Now, I'm not going to sing it. This is my Christmas gift to all of you. You're welcome. But as I read the lyrics, I hope they transport you back to that holy night that Jesus was born, that God found us. Thou shalt know him when he comes, not by any din of drums, nor his manners, nor his airs, nor by anything he wears. Thou shalt know him when he comes, not by a crown, nor by a gown, but his coming known shall be by the holy harmony which his coming makes in thee. Thou shalt know him when he comes. May it be so.